Welcome to episode 233 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I am your host, Dave Ginsburg, and my guest this week, welcome back to Chuck Joyner. How are you doing, Chuck? I'm great, Dave. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm surprised surprised that I'm back already. It seems like I was just here. Yeah, well, that's why we, we always want to bring you on, especially when there's all kinds of good stuff to talk about, as well as when Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Gamma joins us. We're always going to have some great, lively conversation this week. How are you doing, Jeff? I, I'm doing great. And uh, and so what I'm hearing is when you want to have intelligent, lively conversation, <laughs> you have Chuck come on the show. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't say intelligent. I just said live, lively conversation. But it is intelligent. Oh, but it is intelligent, what? too. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I just... <laughs> I put, didn't I put, go the way I, didn't go I was expecting. No, I didn't go. I, I think I stuck no, my no. foot in my mouth there. No. Maybe, 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 Jeff, it's when you and I are here together that the synergy is what happens. I always get some great, great feedback when you guys are here, so it's always good to have you both here. So. <laughs> Great feedback. Great. Sure. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Uh, So this week we got a lot of good news stories, a lot of stuff going on, uh, beta with uh, 16.2 imminent. um, And uh, like I always say, let's just jump right in and uh, get to the news for this week. Um, First story was uh, Apple shares its most popular podcasts of 2022. Uh, they did really v- reveal their top podcast episodes, shows, channels, and subscriptions that listeners engage with the podcast app throughout 2022. And no surprise, you have uh, the, the big popular ones like Crime Junkie, The Daily, Dateline NBC. Crimes, crime in the, 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 the crime and mystery seems to be the popular topics of m- many of the mainstream uh, list of, of uh, podcasts here. So... Uh, but uh, it's good to see that Apple does this. I like to see the, the popular lists. Um, I don't think oh, we're on the top of that those popular lists, but or, or I think we're popular enough in the technology world. But uh, Chuck, what do you think? I, a lot of podcasts are out there. I tell you, it's 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 an exciting time to be a podcaster. Actually, actually, it, it it is. And you know, I, first of all, I kind of think that the, the true crime thing is just a reflection, maybe, of where society is at the moment uh, with all the turmoil and conflict and everything you would think that you would think that people would try to escape a little more from it, but instead they just seem to dive deeper. But, you know, I I mean, it's great that the, some of these podcasts can generate the kind of numbers they are. Um, It, it, I mean, it's appealing to a a wide range of people, you know, the the shows we all do or are involved with are quite a bit more niche and that's fine too. That's sort of the beauty of podcasting. It is. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, it's been that way for many years as we've been all doing our, we're doing our shows. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see podcasting get going where it's going and just continue to evolve and mainstream media starting to, uh, accept it and, and and participate in it too. So uh, what do you think, Jeff? Uh, well, first, when NPR gets involved, you know it's a, it's an important platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on, on the true crime podcasts, I'm not surprised that we that we see several, or at least what is it? There's Crime Junkie, Morbid, Serial, yep. uh, Anatomy of Murder, murder um, on on that list. Um, oh, something was wrong. Okay, so when I look at at all of those shows, um, there there's a common thread that is not the common thread that that's the obvious one. It's a true crime story. It's about the presentation. 
It's compelling speakers and, uh, and it's entertaining and it's, uh, it, it's presented in a way that, uh, that just really hooks you in. And, uh, in the case of serial, um, uh, I mean, how could how could that not be a top show? Uh, especially with the uh, the follow up to the series, the original series, where uh, um, ultimately, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's just general news. Adnan was ultimately released from prison. Oh right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Um, but when you look at the at the other top uh, podcasts, um, for for the most part, it's it's like really interesting stuff. You know, Radio Lab, holy crap! What an amazing uh, series! Fresh Air. Um, that uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Yeah, this well. American Life. Um, yeah, this is. It's pretty much this is this is a really good list of uh, podcasts. And Conan was smart. He he joins forces with SiriusXM, and then they've become one of the number one platforms for podcasting now because they have such a big media following, and um, they continue to just evolve with more and more shows on 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 that platform too. So, in fact, they're, mm-hmm. they're they're launching more satellites because they have so many so many listeners now with with podcasts in addition to everything else that they offer. So. And not everybody subscribes to that, but it's it's definitely interesting. I think it's also interesting too that as a lot of these podcasts are part of a quote unquote network, right? Whether it's a podcast network or you know another kind of network, but it's it's creating opportunities to cross promote. Uh, you know, in the other things on that network that promotes these shows, these shows promote other shows on that network. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because I know I've I've got a couple in uh, from one not true crime but um, from a particular podcast studio, and they are constantly you know bombarding me with hey we have a new show try this um, almost to the point that it's starting to become just a little anno- annoying, but you know that's part of the game and that's part of how podcasting podcasting is expanding, so yeah. it's. It's the same thing that mainstream media did for a long time to tr- and AM and FM radio and everything else, you know, to try to expand. So I guess it's kind of, it's kind of to be expected. Yeah, absolutely. So check out that list and uh, there might be something that might uh, be of interest to you besides our technology coverage. But uh, uh, next story, I didn't think I'd do it, but I did it. The blue check mark. Twitter blue is going to be more expensive for iPhone uh, to offset the app store fees. Good old Elon here. He paid, of course, uh, he did pay a visit to Apple Park the following week, last week, I guess, as we record, with and the meeting with Tim Cook. So they worked out their differences of his worry about them, them removing the app, the Twitter <laughs> app. Okay, sure. Uh, and um, he previously advertised that Twitter Blue was going to be $7.99 per month, regardless of how the user signed up. But uh, now they say when Twitter Blue launches, it will cost $7 if you if you subscribe through the Twitter website or $11 if you subscribe through the iOS app. Uh, I don't care one bit if I'm if I'm a blue check mark. I, I don't think either of you are as well. Right. But I just shake my head. OK, Elon. what do you think? My God, the, he, he is. A very bad 
business person. Yes, he is. Holy crap. And he, he's completely just not lost the point. I don't think he's ever understood the point of, of what the blue check mark meant. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so this is supposed to roll out on Friday. We're recording on Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. I will not be surprised at all if come tomorrow it doesn't roll out or it rolls out differently yeah. than than what they're saying right now. And you know, the multicolor check marks and right. it's it, it's stupid and ridiculous. Um and I'm saying this is someone who has been Twitter verified for a really long time. Yeah. And uh so yes, currently there's a blue check mark by my name because of that. And tomorrow that may go away or I don't know. I thought they were going to grandfather you in that you get to keep it. It's yeah. Okay. So I get to keep something that now has no value at all. <laughs> Cause everybody because, has it. <laughs> yeah. Because the purpose of it was so that people would know that I'm really me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it just means that people will think that, that I'm paying, um, Eleven dollars a month or whatever to have a blue check mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's he's turned it into something that's worthless. Uh, really uh, ironically, just like the company. <laughs> <laughs> wow! How do you um, follow that, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not sure I can. But just wrap um, up the show. We're done now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I too am Twitter verified. I am not paying for a blue check mark. I have a blue check mark, and. As far as I can tell, it has not helped me pick up girls or get a discount on a car or anything. So I, you know, it's it's fine. I don't know how I got it, um, but maybe I, after I just, your hack I, from many years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe so. Um, but you know, I I look at this and I I don't feel quite as strongly in the negative as, as Jeff does, just because okay, they they he's got a he's got to fund things. Um, Jeff, I think your point about you know it doesn't really mean anything is is a is a really good one because but on the other hand, I have a I have a blue check mark now and I'm not sure exactly if it really meant anything either. So I kind of feel like there's nothing lost because I didn't have it in the first place. Makes sense? It it makes sense. Yeah, it's um the 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 blue check mark went from being something that signified um uh, a validation or verification of who you are to something else entirely where at some point people started looking at it as like a prestige thing, I guess, and, which I, I never saw it that way. When, when I, when I applied for a blue check mark long ago, I did it because um, uh, I was a journalist right. and, uh, and there were people out there trying to impersonate all uh you know uh, all kinds of people that had some sort of public presence so i thought you know i better just try because uh, the, i'm seeing so many people that uh, that are having to try and prove that these other accounts aren't them so it'll be easier for me to prove what account is me and i applied and uh and got my uh my blue check mark. I did have to go through several steps to prove who I was, which which is great. Um, or and seriously, I think that was a good thing to have to do. But now it's like, 
it's it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it, it is pretty meaningless. So uh, let's go move on. We don't need to dwell too much on Elon at this point. Uh, next story here: Apple has announced App Store changes, including the expanded pricing up to ten thousand dollars. Apple announced uh, it's providing developers with an additional seven hundred different price points in the App Store apps. Uh, app Store apps uh, allowing apps to be priced as low as twenty nine cents and as high as ten thousand dollars. Developers who uh, uh, want to price their apps above a thousand dollars must submit a request to Apple to to help prevent meaningless, expensive apps from being released on the App Store. In total, developers will have the ability to select from the the nine hundred price points with the hundred highest priced points available upon request only. It looks like it's going to go. Uh, Every ten cents up to ten dollars, and every fifty cents between ten dollars and fifty dollars, and so forth. Uh, the uh, the article on Mac Rumors here has a, a grid of what's going to show, so you can get an app as as low price as twenty nine cents. Because I I thought before that you could only do like a ninety nine cent and higher. I think that's what it was before. Yes. Um. So interesting to see where they're going with this. I'd be curious to see who is charging ten thousand dollars for an app. It uh, must be something pretty special. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I I came away from this with mixed feelings. I, I was glad to see that they've taken the app, the, the bottom end down lower for those apps that probably should generate a little something and that are right. being given away for free right now. that are good, legitimate, credible apps. Um, it also concerned me a little bit, though, that now anybody can put, you know, anything up, you know, that maybe the, the app just shows a picture of them and their dog. And they want you to pay 29 cents for it. So, yeah. you know, that, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a mixed bag, whatever you consider the floor as being, especially since we all have talked endlessly over the years about what seemed to be the race to the bottom and the devaluing of software. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you, you know, a $10,000 app, I don't know. But, hey, I'm I'm open to see, you yeah, know, what, what is, it might be. What does it do? As, as long as it's legit. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Uh, but it's going to have to be a pretty impressive app. Yeah. Right, Jeff. Yeah. If if uh, if Apple is pushing the top up that high, it tells me that there's some company that's that's making software that they went to distribute through the App Store that is very specialized for probably some niche market, and uh, and it's kind of software that commands a high price point, and they couldn't actually sell it because there was no uh, uh, price point high enough for what they needed to to be able to, to have. So that will be fixed. Um, other than situations like that, I'm not sure where the value for developers is with, uh, with the additional price point uh, options that are available. Um, Chuck, you mentioned the the drive to the bottom with prices. Letting developers sell apps for twenty nine cents—that's not going to help their their uh, their bank accounts at all. No. Um, and the idea that someone could pop up an app that's a picture of them and their dog—well, hey, what if it's a really nice dog? Uh, no, but but seriously, it doesn't matter what price points Apple sets. Someone can make that app anyhow and price it at whatever the bottom tier is or higher. Um, so giving us 29 cent option for that, it could have been a 99 cent option for that. And, uh, and that, that same worthless app would still, 
end up on the App Store. Anyhow, I'm just having a hard time uh, yeah. seeing where this is helping developers. Yeah, the one thing, Jeff. The one thing, though, we all we all have a point at which something becomes a an impulse buy, um, or we just we have that value judgment that okay for mm-hmm. well uh, well I'll spend four ninety nine on it. I'll spend ninety nine cents. I'll spend four ninety nine. You know, five ninety nine just seems like a lot more that I want it than I want to take a chance on. Um, if mm-hmm. especially you know if I don't have any knowledge of it, if it's just something I come across. So I like the idea that they've made it. You know, now every developer can decide for themselves exactly what they want their price point to be with no artificial levels. And I, I think that's got to be a positive thing for the developers. And you know, you're right. We're we're talking too much about the twenty nine cent app, and we should be looking just a little bit higher. But now I just I feel like there's there will be times I think the things can be can be priced that might be a little more appealing to me personally. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I might have said, ah, you know what, that's just a little bit much. I think I'll move on. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. At the same time, I look at the 99 cent app and uh and I see an app where the developer has to lose money to sell it on the app store. Uh, You have to sell an astronomical number of licenses at 99 cents to, uh, to make developing that app worthwhile. Yeah. So I can't imagine any developer is going to, to be able to sell where it's not a loss at, uh, at lower price points. And honestly, and, and I know a lot of people don't like, this idea i think that developers should be charging a lot more on the app store than they do but the problem is that that people aren't valuing the software so they don't want to pay twenty dollars fifty dollars for an app but they'll pay you 99 cents for it yeah i'm mr cranky tonight aren't i (laughs) well let let me be argumentative just for a second jeff no Um, no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so let's say what. First of all, the developer makes the decision. All right, Apple doesn't force them to charge ninety nine cents, so they decide. And if they figure they've put five dollars worth of effort into it and are selling it for ninety nine cents, that's on them. Okay, but I can mm-hmm. also see because I've seen a couple things out there, um, and I'm going to make it up as I go. But let's just say that you know you develop like five five really cool wallpapers for the iPhone, mm-hmm. and you're gonna you want you want to sell them. You don't want to give them away, mm-hmm. but you also know realistically that probably nobody's going to pay you two bucks. They're probably not going to pay you ninety nine cents. They might pay you twenty nine cents, and so it might be worth your time and trouble just to get your your art out there, if you will, and maybe then draw in people with the next version of it. So. I, I do see some benefits here too, because I think it opens up the, the the floor for people to get in, get a taste of the app store, maybe maybe start to try to develop a following, or maybe I'm maybe I'm trying to just put a you know put a, a, a fresh coat of paint on this, but I just don't think it's a bad thing. I yeah. hope it's not a bad thing. I fear it is. Yeah, let's hope okay. not. All right. 
Yeah, it's good. Good conversation on that uh, chat. Uh, let's uh, go on to the next story here. Uh, big biggest Apple News Plus magazines maybe having a tough time. This actually is from Apple Insider. Our friend Andrew Orr wrote this. Um, New data shows that people are reading fewer big name publications in the Apple News Plus subscription service, but it's not clear if it's a sign of a wider trend. Uh, circulation numbers were published recently by Press Gazette to show the top 25 magazines on Apple News Plus. And it had a combined circulation of over 1.3 million in the first half of 2022. That is greater than the numbers for the first half of 2021, but lower than the second half of that year. Um, so they're going through some of the rankings here and uh, uh, calculating uh, unique opens and all that stuff. So and interesting to see some of the circulation, you know, like People Magazine, that tends to be a fairly popular magazine, but it's down 36% year over year. Uh, so people are, might not be reading that as often. Whereas men's health is up 44%. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a ton of magazines in News Plus. I don't probably read them as as often as, as some do. But uh, uh, Jeff, what do you think on this on News Plus? Do you, I assume you use News Plus? I do not use News oh, Plus. Oh, that's right. You don't. Okay. I yeah, See, I'm a problem child. I'm, I'm the reason News Plus isn't doing well. <laughs> um, okay. So Apple has so much going on. I have lost track. What year did News Plus launch? I think it was 2021 or 20, no, 2020, I think. It was, it wasn't 2020. Okay. Probably. So uh, uh, what I went to see are the numbers going back to the launch of News Plus. And I want to see if uh, if we're seeing an overall upward trend where, you know, like maybe right now it's lower than it was uh, second half of 2021, but overall the trend is going up or are we, did we plateau early and we're on the way down now? Um, so I look at this and I'm like, uh, it doesn't tell me if, uh, if there's really a problem or not. Yeah. What do you think, Chuck? I, I think this has to do as much with, with what Jeff was talking about as it does with podcasting. There's so much stuff out there. You know, I mean, it used to be you and, and I, yes, I'm dating myself. Sorry, but you go to the news, to, to the newsstand and there were a finite number of magazines. And usually if you slice down the genres to the things that you were interested in, you had just, just a few. Now you've got, I mean, you just, it's, it's almost an infinite number out there. And, you know, they're not necessarily in news plus, and I think as as the economy gets a little more interesting, unless you're buying one of the packages, I'm not sure that unless you're a real news junkie that you're going to go this direction. Uh, and because we have, I mean, every magazine you you just mentioned, you know, they're competing with how many other options right. out there, other magazines, other just flat out websites for attention. And so I kind of see it as similar to what we're seeing in broadcast TV, where, you know, back in the day, I mean, they had hundreds of, of millions of people watching. And now you're down to a, a single mi digit million number is not a bad night because of all the other options. So I, I'm not sure that it's possible for anybody to capture a huge, a really big piece of the market at the moment. Yeah. Magazines. That's always been a tough space. It is. Um, and uh, uh, watching magazines come and go it's i mean it's like a turnstile and uh and has been for decades now uh you you have 
a handful of uh, what appear to be stable magazines, but in reality, they're probably freaking out and have been for years. Right. Like, how many more issues can we really go? And then you have all of these other magazines that come and go so fast that you can't even keep track of them. Here, here's where part of the problem is coming in. When you're creating content for magazines, by the time it's published, um, it's it, that the process where it was locked in is happened a few months ago for something that's coming out today. Um, so you're talking about a medium where you have to find a way to try and make content relevant for the future. And uh, and that's really hard to do. Now, if you're doing electronic magazines, now you can have content that's relevant today. Um, but then uh, for something like the New Yorker, the Atlantic, um, National Geographic, what, what they're doing is creating content that is timely-ish, but has a, a much longer shelf life because it's it's more about uh, like like a deep dive into something where where you're looking at a, a topic from uh, uh, you know uh, maybe if it's a political thing you're looking at the topic over the course of weeks or months or years and writing about that as opposed to writing about uh, what a specific politician did yesterday. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, I'll correct myself. It's, it was March of 2019 when that News Plus came out. So, oh, okay. So, so I would like to see the data going back to 2019. I want yeah. to see that trend, yeah. and that, and then I'll let you know what I think about uh, the numbers we're seeing today. Yeah, they were. They were. I remember they were pretty big when we covered it back then. So, um, and then they added audio stories a year later. Um, so. It's a good aggregator. I mean, and, and, and of course, when the Apple One bundle came around, uh, people were bundling it because I think it's like around eight ninety nine a month. I'll have to check that. I might be wrong. I, th I think it's a nice deal as part of the Apple bundle. It is. So I use it. I, I like catching my, some of my news there, but I think a lot, uh, we're all news, news junkies in the sense for technology and using aggregators to grab all of our, our information. So uh, the good both, both places are decent places to find your news. So, uh, Next story, Tim Cook has confirmed that Apple will buy TSMC chips to be manufactured in Arizona. Uh, this was uh, this week as we record here uh, today, confirmed Apple that was going to purchase these chips. It's going to be a U.S.-based factories that are being constructed in Arizona. Uh, Cook was in Arizona at the, uh, at the announcement of this investment in the states, which was also attended by President uh, Joe Biden as well. And thanks for the hard work of many people. These chips are not going to be proudly stamped made in America, which is something really say much about chips and everything else that we've been dealing with. So, and they said today's only the beginning. Today was, we're combining TSMC's ex expertise in the unrivaled ingenuity of American workers and invest in a stronger, brighter future. And we're planting our seed in the Arizona dares and the Arizona desert. So, good. I think it's good something something good to hear. We're always wanting to say it's made in America and you know, now we got these chips they're going to be made there. What do you think, uh, Chuck? I you know, I didn't see, I almost didn't see this as news. I mean, yeah. Apple needs chips. And so if TSMC is going to do it in Arizona, great. If they do it in Disney World, fine. You know, that if if the chips are up to Apple standards, Apple will buy them. So, you know, I th I think the investment in chip making here is really more of a sign that they're trying to further diversify their supply chain um, and not be as dependent on, you know, what we've, what we've seen up till now. 
So I, I applaud everybody for that. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, this Apple's going to buy buy chips. Wow. That, is that news? Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was uh, newsworthy enough that I, I like the fact that we are going to have some chips made here. And that could be a trend, you know, because obviously with the issue that's going on right now with getting enough iPhone 14 Pros out of China, and I know they're reevaluating that as well, you know, this could be a trend. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? Um, I, I'm with Chuck in in the sense of, well, this is news. Okay, what what I mean by that is Apple is buying uh, chips from TSMC's plant in Arizona once it's it's completed. Of course they are. There's no way TSMC would build a plant in Arizona if they weren't making chips for Apple. That that to me just seemed like a no brainer. Um, on on uh, diversifying, yes, absolutely. Uh, one thing that the the pandemic has really driven home is that uh, the supply chain, just in general, is very fragile and very brittle. And uh, and so if one place breaks, then it cascades out and causes so many problems. And uh, and that diversification in this case means um, if you have a plant in, say, Taiwan that uh, that has to shut down or uh, something happens and for whatever reason, you can't get chips from that plant out to to where you need to actually build products, then your production lines stop. So what you need is an alternate way to get those chips where they need to go. And in a case like this, that means having plants in in multiple locations so that if uh, if something that you're making in Taiwan can't get out, okay, maybe it can come from Arizona or maybe it comes from Mexico or maybe it comes from India or wherever, but you have alternate ways to to keep your supply chain working and uh, and this, I think, is is a great step towards helping to uh, to eliminate at least one point in our horribly brittle supply chain. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, next story. This was a big announcement this week by Apple. Uh, Apple Music is adding a karaoke experience with Apple Music Sing. Announced uh, today, uh, this week, as we record, it, Sing is a new feature in the app in Apple Music that lets users sing their favorite songs with adjustable vocals and more. Apple Music Sing will utilize Apple Music's real-time lyrics to allow users to sing to their favorite songs while adjusting the vocals, the background vocals, and duet view to allow more than one singer. And they go through a lot of of features, including adjustable vocals, real-time lyrics, background vocals, duet view. I have not played with this yet, but this is definitely, I find this to be a very interesting thing and could be a bit of a party please. You don't even have to have a karaoke machine anymore if you if if you're into that. But uh something you would do, Chuck? <laughs> uh no, it's not something I would do and the world is better for it. <laughs> um yeah, 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 but I know plenty of people that are just really yeah. karaoke crazy. And so, you know, why not if if you've got that catalog and you've got the technology, why not? Yeah. So good good for them and go 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 sing, David. We want <laughs> Yeah, give you the introduction to in touch with iOS next time. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> gosh, no. I know Jeff's going to be singing. Not tonight. My my voice is kind of shot. Yeah. I, I've I've been talking like nonstop all day. Um, but yes, 
I, I was actually looking in music right now to uh, to find it so that I could uh, just see how it looked. And uh, uh, maybe I should have done some research before the, the show so I could check that out. Uh, I haven't played with it yet, but neither. But yes, of course I'm going to play with this. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So everybody listening to this, email in what you think Jeff should come and sing on In Touch with iOS. That's feedback at intouchwithios.com. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple other. Be careful uh, what you ask for, <laughs> Chuck. We got the link in the show notes to the press release that Apple released, but then I found this interesting tidbit, the fact that the Apple Music Sing is going to be limited to latest Apple TV, not coming to older models. Uh, new feature that that they've added this with the Sing is, uh, it's unclear why they would not include Apple TVs beyond the 4K 2022 version. I can see maybe you let the 2021 version to be working, but maybe the, it requires the A15 Bionic chip. HDR 10 plus, but I don't understand why Apple's doing this. And I have this feeling that they may backtrack on this, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Don't you think? Well, we're, we're getting stage manager on iPads that Apple said we couldn't have it. So maybe the same thing will happen here. Um, I, I would love to, to know what the limitation is, if it's legit and not, and not artificial. Yeah. I've forgotten if there's a chip difference between the respective models or the more recent models of the Apple TV. There is. I, I think don't know it's A12 to A15, I believe it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that could be part of an explanation or just simply, hey, this is a brand new capability, and so you're going to need a brand new Apple TV to do it. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm always the one that says, this is business. This is the way it is. You you know, you you give something people give the people something they want and maybe they'll buy your, the current version of your hardware. So that doesn't bother me a whole lot because I, listen, I don't think that at the, at the price point of the Apple TVs, the karaoke people aren't going to bat an eye. Right. They're going to just say, right. my God, let's go for it. So, you know, why wouldn't you? And those who are just going to fool around with it or maybe use it once or twice, they probably weren't going to buy the, the Apple TV just to do that. Right. So, well, um, Chuck, knowing that you are big into the karaoke, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, uh. and anyhow, um, okay. So for those of you that, uh, that, that, uh, haven't done karaoke before, a lot of the, uh, of the discs that you can get are just straight up garbage. Uh, so much so that I've actually been to professionally done karaoke events where they're just grabbing stuff off of YouTube because it's it's at least as good as the stuff that they were buying on disc. So with Apple doing this, as crazy as it sounds, Apple could corner the karaoke market just by offering a superior product. Yeah. They could, they could. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, plenty of people commenting to people that probably don't really care much that the Apple TV isn't going to be compatible to this. So <laughs> let's uh, move on to the next story here. This was the story I teased you guys earlier. It just came out a few minutes ago here. Uh, the FDA has approved iPhone connectable Dexcom, uh, Dexcom G7 glucose monitor. 
the FDA has approved this uh, wearable for glucose monitoring for people with all types of diabetes and uh, company expects to, to hit the pharmacy shelves in 2023. Uh, the wearable is now cleared to in the U S for people with all the types and, uh, and up to any ages. And it's a, it means an absolute relative difference, uh, which makes Dexcom Dexcom G7, the most accurate and continuous um, monitor that they call the CGM uh, approved by the FDA. So I think this is some exciting times. I know we've been talking about the fact that uh, we want uh, uh, the Apple watch to be able to do this uh, already uh, in next models. And we've been talking about this for a number of years and um, this is exciting. Uh, I, you know, they, they charge a lot of money for this in the, the freestyle Libri for, uh, for the folks who have to do their con- cons- uh, continuous monitoring. But uh, this is a uh, good news and being able to use it with the iPhone uh, is, uh, is huge. We think, right, Jeff. Yep. Th- this is awesome. And uh, uh, this totally plays into what Apple has been uh, uh, very openly pushing for uh, towards for a long time, which is making their uh, uh, truly portable devices something that becomes uh, a deeper integral part of our lives. And, uh, and that means health and fitness as well. So yes, yep. Th- this seemed like, uh, like something that had to happen at some point, And now here it is. Yep. I agree. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree too. Um, I mean, it, it was going to happen. It's just a matter of when, just like uh, there are probably a half dozen other monitoring capabilities that we're going to see in the next, however long it takes the FDA to approve them. Um, because certainly the iPhone has enough enough power. Um, it's going to depend, I think, a lot on just what else they can build into, like the Apple Watch, or what kind of connectivity they can create with another device that is required to monitor whatever it is it's required to monitor. Yep. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I remember the the old days where you know, if you if you had a heart issue, you know, you went in, you got a harness, you wore it for you know three, four, or five days. Well, now the harnesses are. It, substantially easier to wear and it probably it's going to come to a point where a serious cardiac patient will probably be able to wear a harness or something of that nature full time and have it report to the iphone yeah um so you know it's just we're we're living in the future and it's coming it's just it's never quite as fast as we want it to be yeah still this is pretty fast when you think about it oh absolutely this is absolutely and uh, I've I've publicly talked. I am I am diabetic. I have diabetes, and I'm I'm looking forward to being able to take advantage of this because it's very hard to prick in your finger every day uh, that you have to me- measure and keep keep you know keep on top of your of your glucose levels. And uh, this is uh, this is pretty cool. I, I have been avoiding using those devices only because they're very expensive, and then you have to have your own reader, and it's just not it's not very easy. I might as well just stick with what everybody's been doing. But I, I'm. I'm definitely going to see where this goes next year. So, awesome. Uh, next, cool. the last story here for this week. Uh, I found this to be very interesting. We talked about this many times in, in the last year because this was talked about back in August of 2021. Apple has decided to abandon the controversial plan known uh, to detect known CSAM in iCloud photos. In addition to, uh, we'll talk be talking about their end encryption here in a minute here. Uh, uh, they announced that they're abandoning this controversial plan, uh, the CS, CSAM, they're looking for uh, child sexual abuse material, uh, and 
Apple's full statement was after extensive con- uh, consultation with experts to gather feedback on child protection initiatives we proposed last year. We are deepening our investment in the community safety feature that we first made available in December 2021, but they have decided to not move forward with the previously proposed CCM Detects tool for iCloud Photos. Uh, children can be protected without uh, companies combining through personal data, and we'll continue to work with governments and child advocates and other companies to help produce, protect excuse me, uh, young children, uh, per, uh, preserve their rights to privacy, and make the Internet a safer place. So... I think this is a smart move, in my opinion. Um, I think there was a lot. There's been tons of controversy with this this subject with the CCM and, and you know privacy and all that stuff. Um, I I'm I'm, I'm kind of interesting to see what Apple decided to go this route. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Jeff? Um. Okay. So first. Yes, of course, we need to to always do what we can to protect children. Well, to protect everyone. Um, And and CSAM is something that can be part of that. However, um, once we start using CSAM as a a tool to, uh, to proactively sift through all the photos on someone's iPhone or Mac, then we now have a a different security problem. And so Apple making the move that they did, and and you alluded to the fact that we'll talk more about what they're doing with security tonight. Um, CSAM didn't fit well with that because it created potentially a a security and and encryption issue that they wouldn't be able to, uh, to, truly support um and uh, and i think that as they uh, started really looking into the feedback they were getting from people and uh started looking at uh at everything else that goes along with this in in a deeper way than they already were um i think they realized that the um, the optics of what they were doing bad um but then that there are plenty of other ways that Apple can work with uh, with law enforcement agencies and uh, and other organizations to to take steps to help protect those who are most vulnerable in our communities without having to potentially expose a lot of uh, of personal information that should be encrypted and safe. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts for that, Chuck? Nothing that I – there's not a lot to add to what Jeff said. I mean, this was a slippery slope to start with. It was. It, it sounds like it should be really easy, like so many things. Yeah, well, technology will solve this. And, you know, if if I have an image here of a child that in, in a situation where that it should not be, that's got to be pretty easy to, to detect, right? Well, you know, there there are a lot of gray areas. There are a lot of different reasons. We've seen stories about that kind of thing where there were legitimate reasons for taking a picture of a certain body part, you know, for medical purposes. And, you know, suddenly somebody found themselves in pretty serious trouble. The other issue was just the enforcement of this, um, you know, because Apple is now inserting itself and having to then, you know, say, okay, law enforcement here, you need to check this out, which... Absolutely, yes, the liability on out for Apple. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and Apple should not be checking that out. It should be turned over to law enforcement. But 
you know, then you get into a lot of questions over privacy and, you know, it, and, and law enforcement seem to be, well, no, I better not say that. Just knowing how everything else is, law enforcement can be inconsistent in its application um, of of the law. Think about speed limits in your state, you know, and yeah. what you feel like you can get away with as far as speeding, and then amplify that 500 times when it comes to something like this. So I, I kind of think that Apple's, it's good they got out of this business. Absolutely. We should all do everything we can to protect kids or anyone else from, from any kind of abuse like this. But this may not have been very well-intentioned, but probably was not the best way to go about it. Yeah. You know, Chuck, as you were talking, you made me realize that Apple saying, and we've decided to uh, to not do the CSAM thing. And then they, they made some other statements uh, around that. And it sounds like this altruistic thing. I have a feeling it was not altruistic at all. Th- this is completely self-serving. And it's a way that Apple can help insulate themselves from liability. Can you imagine if there was a, a case that ended up in a, in some criminal court somewhere where someone had an iPhone loaded with uh, with images that CSAM should have caught and uh, on an iPhone and it didn't? Apple would uh, would first look bad, but then second. The lawsuits, holy crap, that would just be uh, a legal nightmare that I cannot imagine Apple wanting to, uh, to entertain on any level. And that's part of Jeff, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's part of the problem that no matter what the solution is, if it's not absolutely perfect, somebody's going to sue Apple over the fact that it wasn't perfect. And I mean, let's go back to the, uh, to, to the, uh, the monitor, the diabetic monitoring thing, you know, you know that Apple's going to be sued for that at some point because it's not going to be as accurate as somebody thinks it should be. So whether the suit has uh-huh. or not, they're going to have to defend it. At, at, which is ridiculous because Apple doesn't even make the product. It just, uh, it, it's another company's product that, that uh, can integrate with Apple's, but you're right. Apple will end up getting sued. And as I'm saying this, at some point, someone is going to end up in uh, uh, suing Apple because there there will be an iPhone at some point that has uh, that has images that uh, that a CSAM uh, database would have caught. But since it's not there, they'll say, look, Apple was negligent. They they backed out of doing this. And it's their fault that these images ended up on that phone. Great. Yep. All right. Let's go on to the topics this week. Uh, beta uh, the, uh, iOS and iPadOS 16.2 release candidate was released this week as we record. And it's anticipated that iOS 16.2 and iPadOS 16.2 will be released next week as we record this. So hopefully we uh, see uh, all that along with uh, watchOS 9.2 and, and uh, tvOS uh, 16.2. Um, so uh, exciting to see that. A couple things standing out. Well, Apple Music Sing, which we just talked about, is going to be available in the release candidate and will be available in iOS 16.2 when it, when it drops next week. Uh, one thing that is going to happen, Apple is going to expand the 10-minute everyone airdrop limit to all users with 16.2. 
Uh, we did talk about that last week and uh, wondered if that was going to go. We thought originally they thought it was just going to be introduced in China, but it looks like going forward it's going to be um, set for the everyone. Uh, so if you have if you have your airdrop set to everyone, it's just going to be everyone for ten minutes. I think that's a smart move, in my opinion. Um, what do you think, Jeff? I I, th- I might be misunderstanding. Okay, but I thought it was. Uh, airdrop is for contacts only. Airdrop is for everyone, or airdrop everyone for ten minutes. Right. I'm sorry that I didn't explain that properly, but yeah, it's everyone for ten minutes. Then contacts only. Uh, that's any time. Um, but so you don't. There is no limit for that. It's just yeah. But but you can also have it for uh, 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 airdrop on for everyone all the time as well. Correct. I don't think so. I mean, I think this is that that's according to what this article says here. So I guess we will find out uh, officially when it finally drops. But uh, from, I thought that was the whole point of the limitation. Yeah. Was was to not have it able to be open all the Cause, time. Because people always forget that they have every everyone turned on all the time. And then you we, we all see it all the time. We're trying to we share something. Oh, look, the people over there has uh, their, their, theirs is turned on because obviously they don't even remember that it's on. Mine's on all the time because it's it's so unreliable. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was, it it was, I, I, that's right. Because I just tried to send myself a airdrop to my Mac and it wasn't sending. So, and I have it set. So it's well, of course for my own devices. So, but anyway, yeah, that that is. We'll talk more about that next week when it hits, and we'll have a t- time to test it and see it. Because of course, most of us are not on uh, beta for our iOS uh, iPhones. So, uh, but that is. The notable to the, uh, of uh, the release candidate. Uh, so I, I did just double check on my iPad that's running the mm-hmm. developer beta and you are correct. And I misunderstood. Okay. So the options are receiving off contacts only everyone for 10 minutes. Right. Yep. That's what it's going to be. Uh, there is going to be uh, some, uh, uh, there is going to be a lot more features that are going to be available. Uh, and, uh, number of the features, like I said, Sing is going to be available. Uh, you have the, we'll talk about the encryption and advanced data protection in a minute. We did talk about the free form app on the iPad. Uh, there's going to be some new lock screen widgets, more always on options, uh, the live activities for sports scores. That's going to hit for the iPhone 14. Um, and, the, and we just talked about the new airdrop settings and then the new home app architecture. I think our, uh, Jeff, you and I can probably talk about this next week when we hit, when it hits to see, what your experience is with it when it comes out. So that's been kind of a pain point with the home app and it's changing to the architecture. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll review more of that when it releases next week and has to have it in our hands. Um, but I wanted to make sure we spent some time here on this big announcement this week uh, uh, that Apple plans a new encryption system to ward off hackers and protecting the iCloud data um, they they announced this week. Actually, Joanna Stern had an interview with Craig Federici about this, and uh, it's a good article. I have a link. I have a link in the show notes to the Wall Street Journal article as well as a video of her uh, speaking with him, um, and ex- as well as the press release. And uh, yeah, they they are adding some some three advancing features in the iCloud in the user data with the cloud, representing their next steps of protecting us, including an encryption key which they have no access to. iMessage contact key verification, security keys with the Apple ID. Um, And uh, I'm glad this, I'm super stoked to see that Apple has finally 
doing something about this with those 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 items. Uh, uh, what was your initial thoughts, Jeff, when this uh, was first announced with the advanced data protection is what they're calling it here? Uh, my first thought was, why did this take so long? Yeah. And then my second thought was, yes, yeah, because uh, this this is something we should have had for a long time. Yeah, and uh, and yes, I know that there are already complaints being uh, raised by various law enforcement, law enforcement. agencies, and uh, and my take on that is. That's too damn bad. You <laughs> yes. need to hack into my phone. You figure out how to do it. It's not Apple's responsibility right. to build in uh, uh, security vulnerabilities just to make your job easier. Yep. And in fact, they're going Man, to. Man, I really am Mr. Cranky. You tonight. are. You are. What was your first thoughts on this, Chuck? Uh, you know, sort of like Jeff's. I mean, it's we're in an arms race. Um, you know, the hackers and the hackies. And. Yep. You know, I, as as a hacky, um, I'm happy that any any help I can get, um, I I absolutely appreciate. Uh, and and you know the whole law enforcement thing. I mean, that just seems to be sort of a routine thing now. That any time that there's any kind of privacy, and and I'm very much pro law enforcement, but at the same time, I'm pro privacy. Yep. And maybe because that's I like to think of myself as a law abiding person, and so you know, yes, I would. It'd be great if they can only hack into the bad guys, but we're back to that age-old discussion of, you know, it's 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 a key for whoever has their hands on it. So mm-hmm. if the bad guys have it, if the good guys have it, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter. If the good matter. guys have access, the bad guys do too. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the answer for the good guys seems to be, okay, just lock it all down. Yeah. And the bad guys are going to find ways around things anyway. So, you know, I'd I'd much rather have it harder for the bad guys to get in. I agree. So the the end-to-end encryption is going to be on the following categories, device backups and message backups, messages backups, iCloud Drive, notes, photos, reminders, voice memos, Safari bookmarks, Siri shortcuts, and Walnut, uh, Walnut, (laughs) Wallet passes, (laughs) Wallet passes. Uh, The only... uh, Categories that won't be protected just yet is the uh, is our mail, contacts, and calendar because of the need to interoperate with the global email, contacts, and calendar systems that use legacy technologies. So that is not going to be part of the encryption. Um, it, it already started with the testing in 16.2, and people will be testing it this week. Uh, and um, the end-to-end encryption on the iCloud data can only be decrypted by your trusted Apple devices, which makes total sense. You're signed in with your Apple ID account ensuring that that data is secure, even in the case of a data breach in the cloud. Not even Apple has access to this uh, this key. So you can't ask Apple to get this key for you because uh, they don't have it. Uh, if you lose access to your account, they are, it is going to enforce a recovery contact. So you will have to set up a, a contact that can help you recover uh, if you don't have the recovery key, which will also be provided. Uh, and uh, and you will be guided to set up at least one of those uh, co- one contact or recovery key before you can turn on this uh, advanced data protection. I know Joanna Stern asked Craig, "Is like why is this turned off by default?" And I think my opinion is I think it's smart because let let the user turn it on because they're full aware of they're turning it on and what the you know what the consequences are going to be if you don't understand what you did when it's turned on and if, if Apple's going to force it to be turned on. You know, just like File Vault on a Mac, you don't—it it isn't forced to be turned on. It tells you it's going to be turned on, but then you could turn it off. So, 
Um, so I think uh, this is smart. So we'll have to come up with a, I think we'll probably know who we can make a, a recovery contact. I think that is probably the smarter way to do it, you know, because you have a, you know, a loved one or a friend or, or whoever you want to trust to, to have that uh, be a contact that you can get out of, get unlocked out of your device. So this is exciting. I think it is really exciting that they, they've finally done, finally doing this. Yep. Th- this is great. And, uh, and I'm with you uh, making the end-to-end encryption opt-in instead of opt-out. I, I think that's the best way to do it for average uh, users because we are talking about uh, about a a level of security and uh, and a level of responsibility for people that are using it that um, it shouldn't just be a mindless oh yeah it's doing a thing. Yeah. It's something that 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 you need to be aware that's happening and prepare for it appropriately. Also, the uh, the thing with enforcing an an emergency backup person for uh, for getting into your account that's good. And when you do that part, holy crap! People think seriously about who it is that you want to have as that emergency backup. Uh, it needs to be someone that's reliable and uh, and that you that you can seriously trust. Um, and it's. And my my guideline for picking that person is when uh, when I heard about this new thing and how it was going to work, I immediately knew who the person was that that I could use as that contact, and uh, and that's probably how it'll work for you too. Like you, you'll know you you know who that person is. Yeah. You know, I feel obligated to say once again that if you have anything that is truly truly confidential, truly that you don't want anybody to see, email or chat is not the place to put it. Right. Yes. Good you point. Know, I, 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 I'm still, of course, I'm always amazed at what people post to social media, you know, regardless. <laughs> but Yeah, you know, sorry. But, but no, no, no. <laughs> we didn't talk about that pre-show, but I won't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, those pictures were something, Jeff. Um, oh boy, howdy. But, but, you know, that... We all have we all have financial transactions that go back and forth, but if it's really something that is that that important, and you don't want it known, that's not the place to do it. Yep, no, I agree. Yep. Uh, but uh, if you want to have some really light reading, there is uh, links to, in the show notes to uh, <laughs> iCloud Security Overview and the Apple Platform Security Guide. If you want to have some light reading <laughs> to find out more about uh, what Apple's doing. Uh, it, it can get very geeky. So I don't, don't recommend it if you don't, aren't going to want to fall asleep when you read that, but it's, it is good information for us who are in the technology world here to, to know and understand uh, how this works. But I, I just was super excited. This was announced, uh, I believe it was, I was if it's today or yesterday that, uh, that uh, the, the word hit here. So um, this is, this is some great information here. So uh, it, uh, so, uh, with that, let's uh, just talk about a couple more things here. Um, there was one article here I found to be interesting here, and I wanted to talk about it real quick because we got some time here, is the uh, the fastest 5G phones that are around the world. Uh, this article here on uh, uh, Ukala, which does a lot of speed testing and, and such, they, they broke down uh, with some analysis of what phones were the fastest in the different countries around the world here. It's interesting to see uh, how these 5G phones are working. So, like in the the first countries listed here is is Brazil, 
and uh, and and uh, Motorola was uh, was looked like the fastest of the download speeds uh, in that country, and then the ch- in China, no surprise, Huawei and uh, and OnePlus were were up there in speeds too. But then you start going down to other countries like Germany, and uh, they, they have Apple iPhones. And and no surprise here. You go down to the United States, and the iPhones are dominant as far as the speeds. The top two are the 14 Pro and the 14 Pro Max, getting some pretty good speeds here. And it's good to see that uh, that five five G is is really is is really uh, working well in in the, in in the U.S. We still have some dead spots here that they're, that we're, we're looking to to fill in with the the rural areas. Um, uh, but I. I I found this this data to be pretty fascinating to see how how five G has has come along uh, on this. And uh, what do you think, Jeff? And this is is something that you find interesting. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I I love seeing tests like this, and I love seeing the numbers. And uh, um, it's it's interesting to see which phones are ranking at the top of the list, and consistently, it is not an Apple phone. Um, yeah, but they're still in the top of the list. They're just not the the top of the list. And then um, scrolling down and looking at uh, some of the countries, you know, like like in um, uh, Vietnam, where yeah. the iPhone 12G, or excuse me, where the iPhone 12 5G is showing up. Um, and actually outperforming the iPhone 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max on 5G. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hey, any thoughts on this, Chuck? Um, I'm sort of taking a different angle on this, and and I don't want to sound like a naysayer because that's not the way I mean it. But what the thing that I find fascinating is the differential between uh, the, the 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 top. I think where they have one, two, three, four, five. The top five in each. Um, you know, sometimes the differential is significant between the top and the bottom, sometimes mm-hmm. not so much. And so I, I have to wonder at times, how much difference does it really make? Now, if you're trying to download a file, now that may that may be important to you. If you're trying to watch a movie, well, I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference it makes. It, it, sure, when I hit the button, I want it to play instantly. Is that realistic? And you know how much of a difference is is there between one of these top, the top one, number one, and number five? So yep. I, I think the I mean, they're, listen, they're all pretty darn fast speeds. There's nothing yeah. here that looks like a dog in the top five. Yeah. So uh, also, I misspoke. So I'm going to call it out now before people start hammering you, Dave, with uh, with emails. <laughs> um, in Thailand, the UK, and the US, the iPhone 14 Pro was actually the the top performing phone. I just missed seeing that as I was scrolling through. Yeah, the data. it's just like China, no surprise. I mean, you get the dominant Huawei and, uh, and other other Chinese phones are tend to be more popular, but the iPhone, you know, the Apple does pretty well with the, the iPhone in China as well. Still it's it's interesting um I I would love to see data on what's different technology wise in the, in these different countries, because you would think that uh, performance would be the same everywhere because it's the same devices, but clearly it's, it's not the same technology driving uh, 5g and uh, which could just be, it's different hardware. Um, 
So yeah, I, I'd love to know what's different. Yeah, me too. So articles in here in the, in the show notes here. It's very fascinating to see uh, where how these phones have just become faster and faster. Um, and 5G is it's, it's just continues on to be evolving here. So now speaking of cellular, um, other article here I, I wanted to talk about real quick is uh, what the darn cellular Wi-Fi satellite and uh, and uh, symbols that they mean on your iPhone and your iPad. We've, we've always had wonders what all these different icons used to mean. And uh, Macworld did a great write-up here. And I really love this grid here. It's you know showing starting from the 2G to the 3G and all the way down up to the advanced 5G. And then, of course, cell and satellite. So um, uh, I like how it says we always found that when, when AT&T had that 5GE, that really it was 4G. <laughs> or when it was 5G, it was actually 5G. And then, then you have, of course, the... The advanced 5G and some carriers use the little UC. They use a plus or they use a UW. Um, and then, um, and then the cell and satellite. You know, you've got all those those symbols. But I find it to be fascinating to see what this how how things have kind of evolved here uh, with the, the different speeds. Now, most of us now these days are on 5G, but you're still going to have some phones out there that are, that are LTE uh, that are still you know on this 4G LTE network, um, but uh, won't see any more on the 2G or 3G. That that band is close gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I found this to be pretty interesting. What do you guys think? I, it's interesting and uh, not always consistent. Right. Uh, so so here's my example. When I was uh, switching over from AT and T to Mint Mobile. Um, I was switching from having uh, a, a SIM card from AT&T to an eSIM for uh, Mint. And there, so you have an overlap time because you don't cancel the one service before you have the other set up. So when I had uh, Mint on eSIM and AT&T on regular SIM, the uh, the Wi-Fi, or uh, not Wi-Fi, the cellular uh, signal symbol that I saw is the same one that's for cell and satellite where it's, it's uh, the broken line where you have the, but basically looks like dots at the bottom and then smaller bars on top. Right. And, uh, and my assumption was, Oh, I, what I'm seeing is that I have two SIM cards to work with here, right. which makes sense. Uh, but at the same time, now I'm realizing, Oh wait, that's also the symbol for when you're doing a uh, uh, cellular satellite. Ah, that's right. That's so it, it does, uh, especially with, yeah, with satellite now with the SOS that's out. Um, yeah, that, that definitely is. So, um, or I'm misreading what the symbols mean, which, uh, says a lot about how ridiculous the, the symbols are. The, the symbols are. <laughs> yep. Any other thoughts on that, John? Just make it work. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, I, I think we're interested. I'm not sure the average person, you know, other than just having a diagnostic part and the cell satellite. I mean, I, that that's obviously for a more sophisticated user. Right. Most of the time, I, I honestly don't think people pay that much attention. Um, you know, they and except maybe when they're buying their phone, you know, then the sales people are giving them the yeah. spiel and. You know, they, they're saying, oh, yeah, well, I want the fastest I can get. Um, but then they go home, turn it on, use it, and look, are watching TikTok videos. So, Yep. Um, 
Lastly, I want to close uh, with this uh, with this discussion. Um, Apple does have uh, at least five more things to release heading into 2023. We already talked about six, uh, iOS 16.2. That'll be out next week. There's been much talk about Apple Pay later. Um, that was introduced back in June at WWDC. It was supposed to be a, a feature where you, instead of you actually putting on your Apple card, you actually could pay later and they would just break up however many payments you want to do uh, every two weeks in a, in, on four payments or however it would break down here. So looking like now it may not launch until uh, 2023. You guys remember talking about this before and I'm surprised. I mean, I guess that also go along with, goes along with the Apple card savings uh, account that that was supposed to be coming as well. And uh, that uh, hasn't uh, come to be as of yet. So maybe some banking regulations holding it back. And, and, and I don't know what else what was holding that back for why that hasn't been released just yet. That would be my guess. Because yeah. anytime you get into the financial institution regulation, it's insane. And and it's quadruply insane since Apple's going to have to do it across multiple countries. Right. So, mm, yep. That's why this, the Apple Card still hasn't left the United States yet. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this looks great. And both those options will be great when they get here. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting, I mean, this is almost worse than the, the healthcare stuff. Right. As far as regulatory approval. Yeah. Yep. And the Apple Music Classical, then, you know, they did acquire Prime Phonic. And I'm not a classical music listener of much, uh, uh, but uh, there still has been no sign of this, this the classical app or if it's going to be ing- integrated. And, you know, they've been talking about this for a while. And I'm not sure if that's ever going to, I mean, I would hope eventually it's going to come out, especially there's, there's a plenty of uh, classical music lovers that uh, probably would want this. I'm I seriously champing at the bit for this. Um uh, among the the wide and varied tastes that I have in music, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of classical. And uh, and so when this acquisition happened, I was immediately excited. And uh, give give this to us people. I'm tired <laughs> of waiting. <laughs> With with all due respect, Jeff, I've and, and maybe I'm saying something I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have to wonder if this is just a revenue a thing that it's it's going to generate some revenue. It's going to not going to generate enough revenue, so things keep getting precedence over it. Yeah, um, could be. I I mean I don't I have no insider information yeah. on yeah. why this hasn't rolled out yet. I just know that I want it to roll out. Oh. Yeah, and I don't have any any either that that would be my first thing cuz otherwise it would seem like uh, short of of some of the ID3 tag issues that classical music seems to have in comparison with the quote unquote popular music. Yeah. Um that would seem to be the only issue. So there's yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason why Prime Phonic had to be a thing, right? And right. it's the, the the naming for classical pieces gets really complicated. Yep. And uh, and so Prime Phonic. Well, we'll give see. it to me. I want it now. See what happens. I mean, you you got some classical music in the library now, but it's not anywhere near as comprehensive. Well, there's as a this. lot of classical music. It's it's just hard, hard to, to find it to get it. Yeah, because how how do you get the right name? Um, and it's yep, it, it's just frustrating. Well, let's hope hope in 2023. 
lastly is the uh, self-service repair program, which we all chuckled about when the, that came out. A uh, uh, lot of talk about getting those big, that, that, uh, all that equipment they send you and put you, you got a week to fix it and it's 1500 bucks or 1200 bucks if you don't return it right away. And it was supposed to expand into other countries uh, in Europe and additional Mac models and Apple Silicon chips were supposed to be in, added to the end of the year. Who knows what that's going to happen. I, if, if Apple's even paying attention to this anymore, honestly, because I just don't, I think we talked Can about it. Add in. I'm sorry. I just totally jumped in. Oh, 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 I said we talked about it, but go, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Didn't Apple add in uh, uh, new Mac models already? I thought they didn't. I didn't. At least I didn't hear anything. Oh, it's it's hard to keep track. Oh, I know. So so interesting to see what's left. I mean, obviously Macs didn't get announced this year. The newer Macs for the M2 processors going towards uh, some of the new new uh, uh, to expand upon the MacBook Pro and the MacBook. yeah, the MacBook line. So that's what I was thinking of when yeah. Apple added in the MacBook Pro and MacBook Air M1 models. Yeah, and now there's an M2 okay. MacBook Air, and uh, but they haven't gone any further than that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, but uh, this was a great uh, this was great conversation, great great show this week. Lots there was just a ton to talk about, and uh, we'll have more to talk about next time. So, but uh, for now, let's go ahead and wrap things up. That's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address. It's feedback at InTouchOfIOS.com. You can follow us on Twitter at InTouchOfIOS. Support the show by buying me a coffee at InTouchOfIOS.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. You also can become a patron of the show by coming going to Patreon.com slash InTouchOfIOS. We have two tiers available to support the show. We would really appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so you're notified when we are live streaming on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash iOS, where you can watch us live at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Thursday nights, uh, as well as you can uh, watch uh, the previous shows and listen to the previous shows. Uh, visit In Touch With iOS magazine on Flipboard, where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into that magazine. Our link is in the show notes. You can subscribe uh, to our show in our, your favorite podcatcher, including Pocket Casts, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Mimir, and so many others. But better yet, go to our website, InTouchWithIOS.com, where all the links to all the ways to listen to us are there. I am Dave Ginsberg, and you can find me on Twitter at DaveG65 and on Mastodon at Mastodon.cloud at DaveG65. Chuck Joyner, thanks as always for being here. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you? Hey, thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, MacVoices.com is where you'll find me talking to all sorts of interesting people about Apple technology and related topics. Uh, you can find us on Mac Voices Live Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. And you can join us in the chat room and throw your commentary in there as well. And on all the socials, including Mastodon, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner and at Mac Voices. Great. Thank you, and uh, yes, and go go there this week because I was on the uh, the latest uh, holiday gift guide. We, had some, we also had some good choices, and check all those out uh, as well. So, uh, Jeff you cost me money, David. I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I did. <laughs> we, we we all each all of us cost us the others money. Uh, Jeff Gammon, as always, thanks for being here. Appreciate it, and where can people find you? Ah. Uh it's always great to be here so thanks for for having me back yet again um i am jay gamut on all the different socials so right now the ones where you're probably going to to look for me would be twitter instagram 
and uh, Mastodon. So that would be mastodon.social. And uh, yeah, check your gift guides. They they tend to be very expensive. <laughs> yes. For yeah. those of us that, that are on. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Shows. Uh, Mac Voice is live on Tuesdays. Um, Thursdays on the big show and and uh, and then also here Fridays on the Mac show and then also on the context machine because Branch Hafen and I decided to team up again good so, stuff thanks this is so much fun always is thank you thank you for listening we re- really appreciate it and appreciate you supporting the show and uh, and we hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk again soon